Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. This is a show where I, your host, Connor McCabe, talk to a guest, a friend, sometimes a foe, about a video game that is special to them and why. Thankfully, today it's a friend. Uh, We'll talk as much about what made playing that game special to this person and what they love about it as we will the context around what made uh, playing that game special and when they sort of fell in love with it for the first time. A little housekeeping up top. If you'd like to learn more about the show, you can visit our website at callmebyyourgame.com. You can email us if you listen to this episode and you want to share a memory of this game or another one that we've covered or uh, some advice or, heck, just let me how, let me know how you're doing. Uh, you can hit us up at callmebyyourgamepodcast at gmail.com. And then there's a couple of ways that you can support the show. Uh, you can, of course rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps our visibility. And yeah, if you're a listener to the show, you listen regularly and you haven't done that yet, it's actually pretty easy. So open up your podcast app, uh, leave us a rating review. Let us know what you're liking, what you're loving. Uh, That would be great. You can also share the show with a friend. So if you know someone who loves the game we're talking about today or just games in general, feel free to share that with them. And lastly, of course, we are a part of the Super NPC Radio Patreon network. Uh, if you like this show, if you like video games, a comedy show, inside video games, and gaming with July Diaz, we have a ton of extra content for you. Um, starting at the $5 level, the lowest tier, you get a weekly show from yours truly and co-host Jeremy Schmidt called Super NPCs, where we just do deep dives on anything we really like talking about. We just did a two-parter it went three hours on the Nintendo GameCube, uh, so we're, we split it in two after the fact. So if you like the show, check it out. Uh, there's also previews in our feed, so if you you know can't do that right now, we'll at least give you um, a little preview here and there. That will thankfully wrap up our housekeeping, and we'll get into the best part of the show where I introduced our guests. So please welcome. Today we are joined by... Writer for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, retired improviser, and future boy band leader, Jeff Topolsky. Jeff, welcome. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Uh, I gotta say the boy band thing caught me by surprise, but I, I'm not gonna argue with it. I've like, it's it's weird. Having been around each other for a handful of years now, and having me having gone to enough, you know, sketch shows and stuff, I've gotten to see your moves, Jeff, and I just figured you... Your boy band material. Look, I try to, I don't like to boast, but I do try to work it in whenever I can. And yeah. I've definitely written some sketches where it's like, I could be the one to do the dance for this maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, it's just, it's a, uh, I don't know. But that was, it. that's been a long as, aspiration of mine since like, when I was in third grade, I was so obsessed with like sync, And I was like, that'll be me one day. There it is. Ah, uh, I yeah. knew I, I I had a feeling I I have like similar a similar af- affinity I guess for, for for like that sort of style of dance and having fun or I feel like I even and not to out you but I think your Gmail profile like tiny picture is you maybe as Napoleon Dynamite yeah that was a sketch I wrote for the New Deal for Mod Night and it was one of the greatest teams ever can oh, we just say love yeah, the New Deal. Thank you. So many great people have come out of the New Deal. Um, and it was it was like a talent show where every single person did the Napoleon Dynamite dance. <laughs> and the people who were hosting the talent show like lost their minds. Uh, it, was really, it was a sketch that I 
wrote and my first draft was like eight pages long and I kept being like, <laughs> trust me, trust me guys, it's going to be worth it. And I even had a director who was like, this, this can't work. And I was uh, like, trust me, <laughs> trust me. And then it went really well. So Amazing. Uh, that's great. I just, it's, it's a small thing that I've known about you that I've just seen you do. And it's always so much fun. And it does it like it for some reason, I don't know. It's just if, because you're packaged in the Jeff Topolsky look, your body, your demeanor. But like when that happens, I think it's just people are like, he can do this. Uh, it is I, there. I think that is always, it's always like, this is the last person I think I'm not a very good, I'm not like great dancer, but I feel like, I can commit to a certain type of dance move. And I think that it's, it does catch people by surprise. I love it. Just break it out. You know, every, once it's been just long enough to where mm-hmm. either enough people are forgotten or you're they think I've lost it. And they're like, yep. he's lost it. And then it's like, there it is. You're back, baby. I love it. Um, I also really like the term retired improviser. I think that's <laughs> I feel like it's better than, uh, stopped like couldn't keep finding success and just stopped doing it you <laughs> well, know? see in my mind you were just retired uh and it's not because you had like a lack of success because i got to again like i came up after you did and and again this is how i know you which we'll talk about how other people can know you soon is it through the la comedy community specifically like the ucb improv and sketch scene um which is of course, how like where ninety seven percent of the guests of this show come from. Um, but I remember one of the first times I went to see Cage Match. I went with my old roommate Stephen Loomis. Shout out to Mister Loomis. Um, and we saw. I'm pretty sure. I know it was Egg Teach, but I think you may have faced Habeki Drysbell. Did we that happen? Did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Great. That was really. That was a very fun show. It was kind of like. Yes. That was like towards the end of uh, Egg Teach's time as a, as a team, but it was like, it's a sh- it is a show I like look back at fondly, and I'm like, yeah. that was really fun, and um, it was one of those times where you like had that moment where you're like, could we win? Yeah, are, uh-huh. are we gonna win? And then you're like, oh no no no, no. we're going against like uh, improv gods, so like that's not gonna happen now. But yes. it was. For the for the listener at home, which you probably know, yeah, I guess there's we actually have a bunch of people who aren't from here who listen to the show. So uh, the Cage Match was a show that UCB used to do, where every Wednesday night uh, at 11 p.m. they would have two teams pitted against each other, and it's a pretty simple format. They do about 20 minutes of improv. The crowd votes on who they want to come back, and the team that Jeff's team, Egg Teach, went up against ended up setting the record with like, I want to say like 70 something weeks in a row. So we're talking like over yeah. a year and they were, they tried to lose at the end and they kept winning. Yeah. Did they end up actually losing or did they kind of retire or something? They did some kind of like, they did kind of retire, right? They did quite like you. They retired. <laughs> Just like me. That's yeah. what we have in common. Yes, yeah, exactly. Man. All the best, uh, you know, right off into the sunset. Exactly. Um, that was kind of like a really nice uh, pivot into how I know you, which I just said, but is there anything, any, I've kind of blown up your spot too. and been like, Hey, here's all these awesome things you've done. But <laughs> is there any way else you wanted to share that people might know you or things you've done that you're like, Hey, you may have seen this or whatever. Um, not really cover. You did a really fantastic thorough job covering it. Cool. Um, I guess like I, like we mentioned, I 
I wrote on the New Deal at UCB, and mm-hmm. I directed the mod team Hail Mary for a brief amount of time. Which I didn't was, realize that. Yeah, I, I directed the first like four months of Hail Mary. Okay, did you on. did you know that Jeremy produces this show? I did. You yes. know, I did know that. I didn't know until after the fact. Jeremy, what a guy. What a guy. Let's just talk about Jeremy for one second. Yeah. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy was on... He at the, the last like two months of the New Deal, first we had like people leaving, and Jeremy filled in for like the last like two months. Yes, and he was awesome. It was so funny. He had so many good ideas. And then when I was like able to direct the team, I was like, "Oh hell yeah, Jeremy's team! Like this mm-hmm. is great." And so it was a lot of fun. And that team does not exist anymore, but they were full of very very funny people, and it was a really cool like the transition to directing was really interesting. And it was like, I think, I mean, not like, I want to say like, if you're in comedy, like try to direct, but like, I know it's harder than it sounds, but it, yeah, it, especially it's like, now. Yes. Especially, especially wrinkle like, added in there, <laughs> but it is like when you're like a writer on a mod team, if you don't have a pitch for something, you can kind of just be like, I'm going to sit this one out mm-hmm. but when you're a director and you like read through a sketch, you just have to immediately have, here are all my thoughts. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. Here's what you can do to make it better. Here's some joke yeah. pitches. Just like, so it's really, it was really good. Like practice. That's awesome. I, I actually didn't realize that you were, that you had directed them. And was that something you were hoping to continue to do or were you coaching or excuse me, directing any teams, you know, right before this all fell apart or were you like too busy to keep doing that? I was a little too busy to keep doing yeah. it. I kind of knew I had a at least like four month window where mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be working. And so I tried, I got in there and then I, I told myself if like a job didn't pan out that I would keep doing it, but it's just, you know, it's so, it's very hard. Um, especially like in a writer's room when it's, yeah. I would love to keep doing it, but it's like you, your hours are so unpredictable. And as a director, you can't be the one who's like, running an hour late guys, you know, yeah. so it's, uh, I was like, Oh, for, I, it'd be, and also I wouldn't, I don't know, it was just like, I was like, I could try to keep doing it, but it'd be very unfair to everyone on the team and everything. So, yeah, I feel like as this kind of goes for improv too, I feel like in same, it's not that actors and improvisers don't have to prepare and, you know, practice and rehearse. Uh, but, uh, having done a lot of both, uh, I feel like you maybe could have had the chance if you were an improv coach, like for a, for a Harold or Messal team or whatever to still make that time just cause it's like, all right, two, it's like a three hour practice or whatever. And then like once a week, as opposed to, I don't know, it seems like being a director would just be a lot more work than that. Yeah. And also like I, we were meeting like at the time we were meeting twice a week for, and for the most part, okay. and also it was like, when you have 12 people's schedules, it's like, you're like, you can't just be like, what about, let's just do it on my schedule because everyone's yeah. like, it's a miracle when you find that time mm-hmm. when everyone can meet. So it was like, wow. yeah, it was tough, but I was um, glad I was able to be with them. There you, they did some really amazing sketches and it was really, it was very, a very good experience. I'd love to do it again. If I get a chance. Awesome. Uh, and I'm sorry, I totally got you off track. Cause I heard, I was like, Jeremy was involved with that. Um, but, uh, you were saying you, that you had coached them. Was there anything else you were planning to share? I think, no, I really just, that was my, that's like the summation of my, of, of my time at ECB. And then I 
been I've right on Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I don't think I don't know where anyone else would know me from, unless you were from Fort Collins, Colorado, and maybe you saw me walking around the streets there. I realize I, you're from I Fort Collins. Up. Do you know Fort Collins? I do, just because one of my best friends from college, who fantastic director of photography or cam op, if you ever if you're ever shooting something yourself or mm-hmm. are looking to or having the opportunity to give someone a chance on a bigger project. One of my friends, Brian Hartley, I don't know if you know the name. I don't think uh, so. He, he and I went to uh, college together at Azusa Pacific. So just north of y'all. Uh, yeah. Because you're a Chapman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I know Fort Collins and because uh, he just wouldn't shut up about it. But what school did you go to? I went to Rocky Mountain High School. Okay. That's a perfect name for a Colorado high yeah. school. Where did he go to high school? He, I'll have to get back to you on that, but it's not that one. There's, cause there's there, the, another great thing about Fort Collins is that there's um, a school that's called Pooter High School and it's like P-O-U-D-R-E and there's like the Pooter River and never while I lived there was I like, this is a weird word. And then when you like leave, when you leave Fort Collins and you tell someone like, oh, yeah, my friend went to Pooter and then they're like, what? And then you kind of realize like Pooter sounds insane. That's it. Yeah. Well, once the veil is lifted from your eyes, it's like you it, take it the really red it changed. It changed everything. Um, now I'm realizing my friend Katie Chilson, who's yes. uh, Katie went there. Yes. We, Katie, she went to Chapman too. Katie and I did improv together at Chapman. And then we were briefly, Whoa. not briefly for like, for like a couple years after like a bunch of people from Chapman's improv team formed an indie improv team after we graduated called Haunted Bakery. We didn't do a ton of shows, but we, um, but she was on that with me and she's okay. great. She's was awesome. that I, I, didn't, I never knew her in Fort Collins. I only knew her at Chapman and then we made that connection. That's wild. And then yeah. you both LA kids and she's, she's a TV writer too. I don't remember. Yeah, I think she was on like My Little Pony or something. So go for yeah. it, Collins. Yeah, I know. For Just real. a factory for uh for you know creatives, I guess. Yes, a factory that pumps out two people. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't forget Brian. Brian's the third. Oh yes, I will never forget Brian. Brian is the third. There's more. There's more. There's a lot more. We're calling um, that's amazing. Well, well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for indulging me because I'm going to bug you way more about more than just uh just about your history unrelated to uh, I will bug you about your history related to games so mm-hmm. let's pivot real quick and before we talk about the game uh, that you want to discuss I'm going to ask you about your history with games in general but uh, would you mind introducing the game we're going to talk about today so we're going to talk about X-Men for the Sega Genesis amazing a game that I have zero experience with but I'm glad you have experience with it because that's all that really matters is that the guest has played it. Yeah, I'm very um, excited. It's been a very long time since I played it, but I'm very excited to talk about it. I love it. Uh, I'm so excited to get into that. But before, again, like I said, let's dive into your history with games. So I guess what I want to start with, Jeff, is um, had, did you play video games like from the time you can remember? Did you always have a system? Do you remember the first time you got something? Where did it start for you? Yeah, so I, I'm the youngest of three, and so I was kind of just like born into video games existing, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of, we kind of had a like it was kind of a good setup growing up because my grandparents um, also lived in Fort Collins, okay, and 
they had at their house a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo. Oh, and then clutch. At, yes, very clutch. And then at my house, my parents' house, we had a Sega Genesis, and then and then when the time came, an N sixty four. Okay, cool. And so that was like growing up, like when I was a, like a, like a younger kid. And so it was very, cause we, we did go over to my grandparents quite a bit. So it was like playing, you know, Mario and playing Kirby and playing all these, all these Nintendo games. I was a little like scared of the basement. And so I didn't play <laughs> Super Nintendo as much as I wanted. I'd only play like if my sister was also there and I was oh, okay. down with someone and it wasn't a scary basement at all. It was like, <laughs> there was, it was like, it was nice. There was, it's like a finished basement. So there's, so there's, so there's like carpet and couches and it's very nice, but I just was like, I did, the idea of a basement was always scary. To there's me. still, so there's something like inherently, I think, I mean, first off hashtag, not all basements, but like yeah. there's something inherently, I think a fear, fearful, at least fearful is probably not the right word. There's something scary about basements, especially if you're a kid. Like I think if I had to like walk down in a basement if I was in the wrong state of mind now to like get a drink out of a fridge and it was super dark, I would be like, all right, I'm fine. I'm good. Uh, yeah. And there was like a hallway. Yeah. The hallway that led to like, there was like a guest room in this basement, but like the hallway that led down to it was like scary and dark. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And in my house growing up, we had a basement that was like not finished. So it was just like really scary. And I would run up Mm. and stare so fast after I (laughs) down there. Oh man, but I, totally, I relate to that so hard. That's so funny. Gosh, yeah, it was, it was, but I did, I did, there was, there were some stuff I, I, I played down on the Super Nintendo, but so yeah, whenever I was over there that I had that set up and then, um, I don't remember like when exactly we got that N64, but I don't think it was like right when it came out, but it was probably shortly after or like gotcha. the year or so after. Mm-hmm. And so then we were, it was always like a multi kind of platform household. And then I totally skipped PlayStation mm-hmm. one and uh, I never had a GameCube either, but I did get a PS2. Okay. And then that kind of is what my setup was for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like then what happened was I became an adult Thank you very much. Um, and after college, I like in college, I played a lot of like N64 with friends and stuff. And then after college, stuff like that. What was that? Yeah. A lot of Mario party. I like hadn't played Mario party until college, but now I, I, I'm, I love it so much. And like, it's, if it's a thing I really miss about being in person, it's like, yeah, that's a game that you kind of can't play. You can't find it's very, hard to find a way to play it online mm-hmm. or anything um so a lot of mario party some smash i was never like i all my friends are like really good at smash and that, mm-hmm. i was never that person especially because i only had the n64 version so when people got like oh. the gamecube versions and stuff i like never knew how to play them very well yeah. or anything so I was, I was not i would it was like i wouldn't be like destroyed but i would not i would never do well I feel that it's specifically that game, the N64 one, which was my first one. I adore it. Is mm-hmm. slower, is clunkier. So like, yeah, there's the. I feel like the skill threshold, at least for like a casual player, is only so high. But melee is so fast. 
on the yeah. GameCube that like it's I totally it's very understandable that you're like just playing catch up really. Yes. Yeah. Um and then after I graduated college and got like my first job out of college and was making money, I was like I could buy a PS3. I just kind of like <laughs> hit it. and like the PS4 was out. And so I was, I, but I like, didn't, I was like, I'm not so serious about this that I want to buy a PS4, but like, why don't I, because I, I still had my, in my apartment when I moved up to LA from Chapman, I had my PS2 and I only played two games on it. I played Grand Theft Auto 3 and I played NHL 2006. All right. And I would just swap back and forth between those games. <laughs> and then I think it was... Grand Theft Auto 5 coming out that I was like, I'm going to get a PS3 because I really want to play this. Awesome. Um, and I got a PS3 from like someone on eBay. Cool. And then I was like, oh man, I'm going to buy a bunch of games now. And then I was like, I'm back into games. Oh, yes. Then I got a PS4. Yes. And then literally a, a month ago or two months ago, got a Switch. Oh, congratulations and Thank welcome you. to the family. Oh, it feels really oh. good to be part of it. It feels, uh, uh, it was hard to find. It was during the height of this, of everyone buying a switch. Mm-hmm. So actually it was my girlfriend who I live with. Her name is Peyton. She, I like told her how badly I wanted to switch and that it was like impossible to find. And I was like, oh, if you go on the Best Buy website, like they're all sold out. And then when I was like doing Zoom, like work one day, she like was on the Best Buy website and like just refreshing it. And then like the second it showed up. She's like, she got it. And oh, so, way to go, Peyton. She's a hero. Amazing. And um, she's gotten a lot of use out of it too. We play a lot of Mario Kart. We play, awesome. she's, she's a huge fan and I'm also a huge fan of Overcooked too. Okay, cool. Um, and and then and recently- hey, You play that together and your relationship's still solid. Honestly, yeah. That's a stressful game. You get to a point, it does always get to a point where you're like, this is so fun, this is so fun. And then you get to a point where you're like, it's like, why did we fail? I was like, I was trying to chop the tomatoes. And she's like, well, I have, I have rice cooking over here. And it's just like, you know, and that's when you can, you can hear yourself. And you're like, what are we doing arguing about this? Like, we just, so you know, but it's very, it's really, uh, it promotes really great communication. Yeah. You always have to have a plan. You mm-hmm. always have to be like, all right, I'm going to throw some potatoes over to your side. Mm-hmm. You chop them, put them back. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really good. That's awesome. Um, but then the last most recent update, well, I guess second most recent update is um, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh. I got that. And what a game. Oh, yes. So good. Uh, I'll use that briefly or quickly to uh, promote the another part of our of our Patreon is at the, the second tier. I do a monthly like a roundtable style version of this show where I sit down with uh, three-ish, two to three guests and talk about like just an iconic game or an impactful game on many people. The first one we did was on The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and the full episode is available in this feed. So if you haven't checked it out and you're like just deep in that game, go back of like a month or so and it, it's sitting there for you. And for the listener out there, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> it really, because I, I was a big ocarina of time person oh, as well yeah it was that was a big game for me and i remember it was very vividly a thing where when because i when i went to chapman i transferred after doing two years at colorado state 
So gotcha. I was still, which is in Fort Collins. So I stayed in Fort Collins. And then I had a couple friends who were a couple years younger than me, um, who were like seniors in high school when I was a sophomore in college about to transfer to Chapman. And mm-hmm. it was like the last thing we did before I left and moved away was just like, like had, t- took a weekend and just like played Ocarina of Time the whole weekend. Awesome. And it was like so much, it was so much fun. That's kind of the dream right there. <laughs> it really was. It was, it was a really special weekend. And, and then gosh, and then Breath of the Wild, which is so good. And I haven't finished it yet. Cause I'm putting it, I'm putting off finishing it. Yeah. I did the same thing. I was like, I've done all the things. I don't want to go to the castle because I don't want this to end. So I'm trying to like do all the, I'm doing all the other things that I can do. Yeah. I downloaded some of the DLC. I got the I got the motorcycle. Ooh, I, was, like, I love it. Was getting that motorcycle. Um, you know what then, I would then, save. So what? when you do feel, and everyone, I'll 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 just let you know, Jeff. It's different for everyone, but you'll have a moment where you're like, it's time to finish yeah. this game. Mm-hmm. After you do that, if you haven't already, I would recommend then go do the one of the other parts of the DLC, which is like the master trials. Yeah, it is. Have you done that yet? I haven't. It I, is, I would save it, but it is so challenging. But it's like, it, it, I feel like all the skills that you build in that game, especially like the resourcefulness and the combat, using certain weapons when, because they all have like a durability scale. Um, I feel like it really uh, just encapsulates those little things about the game. And it's so, while it's challenging, it's incredibly rewarding too. I did, I, I was talking to my friend who has beaten every, everything in the game and I was, and he was like, it's so hard. It is hard. And I did like start it for like, just to like see what it was like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, this is really, and then, cause the thing I did, which is similar, but that, that, what's that, where you go to that island and a- you. Eventide Island? Yes. Yes. That was, see that, cause that was like very fun. Mm-hmm. And like, it was, it, that was like a challenge, but I was like, um, but I do think like once I get to a point where I'm looking for that next thing, I, I will, I will give it a shot, but. I think I even came, it was a year later, like, cause I played that right when it came out. I was so hungry for that game a year later when I actually got into the DLC, I wasn't really playing anything else. So it was like kind of perfect that I was yeah. like, all right, I'm just going to keep throwing myself at this. And getting yeah. better. I don't think I ever even beat the last level, but it was, I found it entertaining. So you might enjoy it. Too. Yeah. No, I think I will give it a shot. I've, it's been on, the game's been on pause a bit because, well, one, um, Peyton and I got a dog. Congrats. So, thank you so much. We have a dog. Her name is Bailey. Aww. And it's been, uh, you know, there's a lot of attention needed for a new dog. And mm-hmm. so, that's been, that's put a pause on some, some, um, game playing, but she has gotten a lot. Like she's very chill. She's like figured out the ropes of this home. And so, um, literally yesterday I got the new Tony Hawk pro skater. Dude. Yes. And so I was like, you know what? I feel like if, if it's, if I go back to breath of the wild, I like won't be able to like take a, like, like take a break from it or put it down. I'm like, with this, I can just like play a level through. It's only like only like two minutes or whatever. And then yeah. if, I, if, they, I can, if the dog like needs to go out, I'll like, like let me finish this level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been so fun to play that game again. 
I'm right there with you. Uh, I played, I played, actually, I played two very recently. I got a, I've, I've, I have an, I have acquired a video game collecting addiction. So mm-hmm. I got a PS1 this summer over eBay, and one of the games I got was Tony Hawk 2. So I've been playing through them, and I agree with you. It's like such a joy to go back to. I think that, um, not only, is the game really good and it's fun to play it how you're playing it? Like I'll do maybe like six, seven objectives or a level and then put it down. But yeah. also like, I don't know about you, but I love the touch they've put on some of the levels. Like when you go to the mall from the yes. first game, it's like shut. It's like shut it's like down. It's like a commanded mall. Yes. It's like looks as if it's in like a post-apocalyptic. <laughs> it's like so cool. You're like, oh man, this is great. Yeah, it's uh, funny that they chose. I wouldn't have expected them to choose to not just like give you the same level but souped up, but it's like, oh, they've aged too, kind of like the skaters have. It's wild. Yeah, that's the thing that I, because I read about that before I even got it. It was like all these skaters from the first few games are in it, but they're all the age they are now. Yeah. Which is so interesting. Who do you like to play as? I'm trying to like remember. Like I started as Rune Glitberg. I don't remember. Nice. Like I, I was trying to remember who I was like a go-to person for me. I feel like I remember like Bucky Lassick was mm-hmm. a person I'd play with. I think I played as Jamie Thomas sometimes too. I don't remember what, if there was a reason why I sure. played with people, but it was just like Jeff Rowley sometimes. Yeah. Why not just, it was always fun to uh, just test out every character too. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Who are you playing? Are you playing with someone specific right now? I'm playing with Rune Glipberg right now just because cool. I was like, this is, I think I remember playing with Rune sure. Glipberg. I just like started, but I, I kind of want to try out different people, especially because there's like brand new people in the game. So I kind yeah. of want to experiment with those people and see what that's like. That's awesome. That's, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm so happy that we're both on that journey simultaneously. Um, yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to share? I feel like we got to do a, kind of a nice deep dive there, but if there's anything else, oh. please share. I don't think there's really anything else. I think just it's like, I think I said earlier when I said earlier and then I became adult an adult, it was, <laughs> it was not like, I feel like maybe how it sounded was like, and then I became an adult and like, I don't play games. As an adult. <laughs> but what it really was is that I've had this thing recently, like kind of recently, I guess where you just, I have these like realizations of like, Oh, like, I'm an adult and I can do these things that I like should have maybe grown out of, but I'm like, I can just like do it. Or yeah. I can like, so it's, it started with video games where it was like, I can just like buy a PS3 or buy a PS4 and like start playing video games again. And then it happened with wrestling. I'm a big wrestling fan. Oh, oh that's right. Again, I should have, I should apologize to you on the air that I've had several casualties, like I've said, where I've promised someone they get to do a game and then I have a whole spreadsheet, but I don't write it down. Jeff was another casualty listener. I got to come clean where Jeff requested WWF No Mercy and I forgot. And then we recorded the episode with the wonderful Joe Gould. But so Jeff, I am so sorry about that. But you know what? I listened to the episode and Joe rest, like, like was so into wrestling. Yeah, that was awesome. Doing it that I was like, oh, Joe should have this one. Yeah. You know, Thank you for like, turning turning my gaffe into a positive, but I did yeah. think that was cool as well. Yeah, that was very cool. And But that was a thing where I was a huge fan of that as a kid and then kind of fell out of it in middle school or so. And then literally like two years ago, 
was like, Hey, this thing was really fun to me as a kid. And like, I could, I could go see it. And I never got to go see it as a kid. So I was like, I could just like buy tickets and go see it. And I looked up when they were coming to LA and there was like a big pay-per-view event. And I was like, I'll go to this just for fun. And then I was like, okay, I'll, I'll like catch up on all the storylines right before, just like, so I know what's going on. And then I just like, haven't looked back since. And now I like, watch every pay-per-view and I try to at least keep up with what happens every week. And I'm like, this is so fun. And then even this kind of is connected to the game I'm going to be talking about, but it also happened with like, I started, I was like, I used to read comics a lot as a kid and I was like, Oh, I can buy comics. I can just like, Mm -hmm. I can just either comics that are new or comics that were storylines that I either read as a kid, don't have them anymore or, ones that I missed that Mm -hmm. came out around that same time. And I was like, I can just buy these and read them. And so I feel like maybe this is like a midlife crisis or something (laughs) because I'm going into all these things from my childhood and like, I I still like this, but I don't know. I know what you're, I, I feel like I've had so many, I just feel like I relate to that a lot. Um, I had similar things and I think even specifically I'll say, with the sorts of things that we really liked in our childhood, not everybody comes back to them, but with mm-hmm. something like video games or maybe even wrestling, uh, I feel like it's pretty common for people to have like a down period or like a big chunk of time where you're not playing games. I've had plenty of those times uh, for sure. I feel like I'm like confessing like, yeah, I've had hard times in my life and this has been <laughs> tough for me, but it's, it's just, I think that's a common thing and like it's, but what's cool about it is when you come back to it and you're like, Oh wow, I can enjoy this today. And I still, I'm not going to speak for you, but like, hopefully you're getting a lot of joy out of these things too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause your fear is like, Oh, everything's like passed me by. Cause mm-hmm. I, like, Oh, I was playing all these games on, a, on like a PS2 or N64. And now they're on like, you know, a PS4 and you're like, Oh, is am I going to be able to like, but then you're like, yeah, I can. You know, yeah, for sure. Some of them, like, if it was like, I have not gotten Smash for the Switch yet, but I mm-hmm. know if I do, it'll be a big learning curve. But sure. I'm like, you know what? It's like sometimes it's worth it for that kind of stuff. Totally. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing so much. That's really, again, that's one of my, as much as I love always talking about the game someone's excited about, it's really fun to hear everybody's little mini video game journey. So, mm-hmm. So thank you, Jeff. Um, and before we dive into, you know, the X-Men on the Sega Genesis and everything about that, we're going to take a quick break for an ad and then we'll come right back. This is the host of the Call Me By Your Game podcast, 
Connor McCabe, and I am thrilled to announce that our show is now a part of the brand spanking new video game podcast network, Super NPC Radio. Uh, and we've launched a Patreon in addition to support our shows. All the shows and content from Super NPC Radio are fully independent, and we finally have a way to not only make new video content, but more podcasts as well, bonus shows, and help pay for our expenses in doing so. We can offer several great tiers, and for $5 a month, you'll get access to our brand new weekly show, Super NPCs. At the following $10 tier, you'll get even more bonus content, including a monthly group episode of this show called Call Me By Your Game Co-op, where we discuss iconic games, their respective legacies, and their place in history. If this is interesting to you and you like this show, check us out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio and keep on enjoying those games, why don't you? Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast, of course. Today, I'm joined by the legend, Jeff Topolsky, and we're here to talk about X-Men on the Sega Genesis. So uh, first, before we dive into everything that Jeff has to share, we'll give you a little history and context on this specific game. Uh, And Jeff, again, if you want to uh, share or add on anything or interrupt me, please do, as I uh, just read basically what is from uh, watching a few videos and reading Wikipedia. So here we go. Uh, X-Men on the Sega Genesis is a beat-em-up platformer game produced by Sega, obviously for the Genesis and in other uh, regions, the Mega Drive, in 1993 and is based on the adventures of the Marvel Comics superhero team, you guessed it, the X-Men. One or two players can play as any of the four predetermined X-Men characters, and you could choose between Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Gambit, and Cyclops, and eventually you're able to choose between additional assist characters like Storm is what I wrote. I know there's like six of them, and all I wrote is Storm. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about the other ones at some point. Um, yeah. So the game itself takes place in the Danger Room, a training area for the X-Men in the X-Mansion. And I actually think I should probably say, even though this wasn't a show I watched, this is like based off of the, obviously the comics, but what, there was a cartoon going on at the same time, correct? Yeah. Yes, definitely. X-Men, the animated series. Yes. Uh, big in the 90s. This was very similar times and very similar, like, like costumes, like, all changed throughout the comics, but mm-hmm. it was, like, the, the gayest game and, like, the animated series were all kind of, like, the same stuff. Interesting. Very, very cool. Um, so, like I said, this it takes place in the Danger Room, um, which is, you know, like I said, the training area for the X-Men. So what happens is a virus is transmitted, a virus, very scary, obviously, is transmitted via satellite and infects the room, disabling control and safety limits. The X-Men must endure the now unpredictable behavior of the danger room until the virus can be located and eliminated. Uh, Once the virus is eliminated, the X-Men discover that Magneto is behind it, and the final stage is a battle against him. The game itself is considered to be incredibly difficult, largely due to the, and again, not my words, Jeff, so don't shoot the messenger, unfair enemy placement and blind jumps that the player must make when platforming. It was followed up by a direct sequel, X-Men 2, Clone Wars. Did you play that one too? I never played that one. Okay. Um, Water under the bridge, no big deal to me. Uh, (laughs) That said, the ability to switch between the different X-Men 
great representation of the cartoons, art style, and inclusion of classic villains helped the game's popularity. Um, as far as history and context around like the game itself, was there anything else that you felt like was important or that you wanted to share? I think you nailed it. I think that's, it's, in all contexts, I think that's it. Okay, cool. Uh, well, let's just get right into it, Jeff. It's why we're here. As much as I want to talk more about the nuances of the New Deal and sketch directing and, and Fort Collins, Colorado. Look, we'll get uh, back to all that later. Yes, it all loops around. It all loops back to that. Yeah, full circle for sure. Um, we're here to talk about your history with this game. So my first question is, how did you discover this game? Uh, that's the end of the question. It's a good question. So, Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a game that, like I mentioned earlier, how I had older siblings. This is a game that just existed for me because this okay. game came out yeah. in 93 and I was born in 89. So I was okay. only four when this game came out and I was not playing it when I was four. But it was like, just as I remember thoughts and feelings and memories, the X-Men on Sega was just always there. Cool. And it's also kind of um, appropriate because for me and my love of comic books and the X-Men in particular, it was kind of the same thing. Like my brother, my older brother, who's nine years older than me, he had all these comic books and then like he, he just like wasn't interested in them anymore. And then, so I started reading comic books and I just was reading his comic books. So mm -hmm. I was just reading whatever he had, whatever, issues were missing or gaps there were i just was like i'll never know what happened <laughs> i'll never know what happens to wolverine and after the climax of this comic book yeah um but and it, it's also funny because i feel like i didn't really realize until later that all of the that there's like this game and those comics i was reading were like older like yeah. they represented like the current time to me sure but they were like the comics themselves as well were also from like 94 95 mm -hmm. but i was reading them in like 97 to 98 and so to me i was like this is the current x-men and what's going on in comic book but it was all just like older you know you're being humble but i just, jeff you're a man of culture and you were just already looking back to the past and being like what can i learn from this older media at I age nine <laughs> you, know, you gotta you can't move forward unless you look back is a is a thing that people say and it applies here Yes, um, it's. I'm as soon as you said earlier at the beginning of the show, or at some point, you were like, "Yeah, I'm the youngest of three. It's sort of as much as I truly have no experience of the game and barely watched the uh, cartoon. I was like, "Oh, I would be interested to hear if this is going to be like a older sibling sort of like inherited thing." And that's really interesting. So sorry to interrupt, but please continue. Yeah, no, it was. It, yeah, it was. I feel like basically, I feel like probably all of our Sega games were that was the case for probably all yeah. of them is that they just came from my brother or my sister having them um but and it was I think because for, and also another thing for me too was that it was um like the at the time the only game that I had that was like it was like I was reading these comics and watching this show every like Saturday morning and then it was I was like oh I can like now all these characters who I love and these storylines I love, I can like go and play it out, you know, because yeah. every other game I had was, you know, like a, a unique, like, you know, like Echo the Dolphin, you know, like Echo <laughs> the Dolphin isn't like 
a property. I mean, I mean, maybe it is. What a reference, or, Jeff. <laughs> look, it was another prominent game in the in the house. It was Echo the Dolphin. Amazing. Um, but there wasn't like I wasn't like oh man I finally get to play as Echo the Dolphin. You know, it was like oh I, it was so cool being like oh I'm playing as Cyclops or I'm Wolverine. Yeah. I'm like do going through and fighting these bad guys who I've like I read I like read in the comics and you like think in your head like oh you like play, you know you have these like storylines and. For me too, when I had missing comic books, I was like, I wonder what happens when he when they go here. But I was like, oh, I can like play that out in the video game. Yeah, that's so cool to hear from you. It, it kind of uh, it reminds me of something I've been thinking of recently, which is I obviously we're both you know we're both creatives, we're both Hollywood types, we're oh, yeah uh, we've acted and written and stuff, but it's and we love movies and TV, not to yeah. assume that about you, but I would, is that fair? Very fair. Great. So, and the stories that I think we grow attached to, um, there's like a certain element that like video games can bring where you're like actually the getting to take control of the characters and you are the character acting these things out. There's like a little extra something there that as much as like watching like a movie or reading a book, is special it's like when you're in that character's shoes it can feel magical yeah and it, it, yeah it definitely can and it's it, there's like a difference between games that kind of just follow like a lot of the games that came from like they're like based on a movie you know just kind mm-hmm. of follow the plot of the movie and that that can be fun but sometimes it's like well, i'm just calling the plot of the movie i'm just like kind of but yeah then like this the like the this game and other games that are similar to it are more like like this isn't really based on our specific storyline where yeah. I'm, you know, infected the danger room or anything. It's just like they've taken the characters and the stories and been like, let's come up with a cool thing that kind of makes sense for the structure of this video game and like make it work, you know? So it, totally. it, it feels cool. like you're reading and playing in like a new comic book basically. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so you, was this a game that, I mean, like you said, it was something that was just kind of there for you mm-hmm. because of your older siblings. Was it something that you were like attached to immediately? Or was it after you sort of got into the the comics and stuff? Do you, or I guess my question is, did you ever play it and then bounce off of it and like whatever? And then after you got into the comics and cartoons, did you come back or was that, do you even remember? Um, I don't totally, I, I think I probably was doing a lot of it at the same time. I think it was, I don't think I like, I think com- reading the comics and familiarity with, or at least watching the show probably came first. Yeah. Um, and then like, I feel like this game was probably like in a box of games and I became way, I became way more attached to it as I grew attached to the comics and the show. It was just like having this like triple threat triangle of like ways to experience the X-Men, you know, it was like, yes. I'm going to watch them on the cartoon. I'm going to play them on the game. Um, yeah. So for me, it was always like, I was always like aware of, of who these characters were and what these mm. like stories were. Cool. That's really awesome. Um, what did you, I mean, aside from, you know, you getting to play as these characters in a, in a brand new story, what did you love about the game or what do you remember most about, actually playing it well here's actually a really so i also did some like to try to remember this game i like yes. did some research of my own 
And very proud. I came across an insane fact that I think maybe you'll appreciate. And yes. this is really embarrassing to admit. I'm going to admit it right now. Please. I learned when I was researching this game and watching like playthroughs, like, what were the levels like? I realized I never beat the game. Yeah. It has three difficulty modes. And if you pick amateur, which is the <laughs> easiest mode, it, the game ends early. Yes. It only goes like three or four levels. And then you beat Apocalypse is like the boss of that level. Mm-hmm. And then a screen comes up and it's Magneto's face. And he says like, an amateur can never beat me. Try being a hero. And as a kid, I didn't understand that that meant what that meant. Yeah. I thought that was just like the end. His dying words were like, (laughs) you're an amateur and you'll never defeat me if he like fell into a hole or something. Yeah. I always thought it was weird that Magneto was the bad guy of the game, but you never fought him. Yes. And then that's so funny. As I watch these videos, I'm like, there's another half of the game Mm -hmm. that I just, and I just, and I never, and I, I think because for a really long time, and this would, I would like to, this would be interesting to talk about too. I only ever played the easiest difficulty mode. Sure. In in this game or in any game? In any game. I would always pick the easiest. That's fine. I think, I think, well, first off, I'm not the person who determines that's fine. I think generally that is just totally cool. We should all enjoy games at the difficulty level that is fun for us, and especially as kids. Like, yeah. I think that's kind of why those difficulty levels are there because if everything was like, and this is a notoriously difficult game, mm-hmm. if you had to play on that, whatever the hardest mode is, you maybe wouldn't have enjoyed it. I would, is possible. Yeah. I think it is possible because I think that's especially for me getting into a new game is like if I am like doing so poorly or getting killed all the time so early, I'm like, I don't want to play this game. Yeah. But I have, as time has gone on, I usually do the second easiest now. Yes. Because right with you, buddy. games <laughs> have found a way to... um not like outright shame you for doing the easiest mm-hmm. one, but they say like, if you're playing uh, like a first person shooter game and you're picking the difficulty, it often says like easy is for people who have never played a first person shooter. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I played some, Maybe I'm some not going to pick this one. People who've never played. And then some other people who just like easy mode. <laughs> yeah. That's what they need to specify that. But so that's I've so been, funny. They found a way to kind of turn me off from it, but I never do. I I don't think I've ever even tried ever doing the hardest mode on anything. Yeah, I think I it's don't. it's rare for me because I want to like get. To, I think the only time I would is if I did a game all the way through and then like was like I'm gonna go back through and replay it and I want it to be harder. But I just that doesn't hasn't happened for me. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that really. And then in sports games, I will often go back and forth with the difficulty because I don't know about, I don't know if you're the same way Mm -hmm. with sports games. I like want it to feel pretty realistic. Yeah. And I don't want to, if I'm playing like NHL, 
I don't want to like win every game nine to zero. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not like fun for me. Yeah. But I also don't want to get destroyed. And totally. I, I want to like win some games. I want to lose some games. Mm-hmm. I want the games, some of them to be pretty close. So like, that's like my, the sweet spot. And like, yeah. I was talking to a friend who was like, they're like, why would you want to lose games? But I, like, to me, it's like, it's like lame if you're winning every game. Sure. There's, I'm with you. I, that's kind of how I like to play sports games too. For the most part is like, uh, is there's that element of challenge there still. Um, but yeah, you're either not getting destroyed or destroying. Cause if, yeah, if you win every game, like 20 to nothing, what's the, where's the fun in that? Um, yeah. a game that I'll shout out recently, which <laughs> I'm realizing again was a game we talked about on our, on the co-op version of this podcast, the Patreon exclusive was, uh, a recent game that I love. It's called super mega baseball three. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the best things about the, that game, which there are so many is that you, the difficulty, uh, has like, is called the e- your ego and mm-hmm. you can adjust it from, I think like one to 100 and oh. it is it's amazing though, like because every, like it's so gradual that you notice the difference in in the, how difficult the game is. It's not only how like good the opposing team is, but like they they have like way more training wheels on for you. So as like you go from level from ego level fifteen to thirty, they help you a lot less in like lining up the little your like circle of where your your hit is going to be. Like when a pitch is coming, yeah, uh, they take that off. Whereas like on the lower ones, they basically put it there for you. So I'm with you. Uh, That's really fun. Do you play anything besides uh, NHL games? And who do you root for? Um, Well, I'm so in terms of who I root for, I even though it's going to be complicated, it's not. It's not that. (laughs) I'm a big LA Kings fan. I kind of adapted that even like right before I came to it, I was like, I like knew I was going to be in LA for my life. So I was yeah. like, I'll start liking the LA Kings. And I've been, I go to a lot of games. I'm a big fan. I do. I do like always have a, a very fond, like a lot of fondness to the Colorado avalanche mm-hmm. just growing up. There, and those are like the first hockey games I ever went to. Yeah. So definitely those are the two teams. Um, and I mainly play NHL games. I play some Madden games sometimes. Okay. Um, usually like when like the NFL is like in the playoffs, I'll like start paying attention to football and then I'll yeah. be like, oh, man, I want some Madden. And then, totally. and then I kind of fall off of it kind of quickly, but I haven't played like NBA 2K at all. Mm-hmm. I haven't played any baseball games. I do play like wrestling games. Um, okay. but those that's, that's, that's it for me in terms of the sports games. I don't play a lot either. So so this is a, this is a safe space uh, okay. to we don't have to feel like we you know play so much Madden or 2K. Um, yeah. Well, thank, thanks for sharing about that. And you, you were just talking about uh, the difficulty on this game and uh, yeah. what an interesting thing that they chose to do for this one because normally in games on the easy level you can still go through the whole thing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I haven't ever experienced that in a game before mm-hmm. that you just like get half the game. And it it also was like because Apocalypse is like such an iconic X Men villain. I was like, yeah, this makes sense that he is yes. like the one of the the last boss in the game. Even though I think it should be Magneto, but it's like okay, this makes sense. Yeah. And it was like kind of hard to beat him too. And it was like 
the, I don't know, the way the level was laid out was kind of climactic mm-hmm. to use. I was like, this is it. But I never resolved the virus in the danger room. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I guess by beating Apocalypse, I resolved that. I don't know. It's just funny to think that. That's like, hilarious. I think now if I saw that message, I would, I would get it. Because he yes. literally says like, try being a hero. And like the next level up is called hero. Yeah. So I should have put that together. That's but okay though. Give yourself a break. Um, the game is hard. I mean, another thing that's cool about the game in terms of, I mean, also even playing amateur, I died all the time. I, yeah. I, I did not always make it to apocalypse. I died a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, <laughs> part of it is because, so you like, you mentioned you have these four X-Men to choose from and how the game kind of works is like, um, if those are kind of like your four lives. So like if you're playing as Nightcrawler and you die as Nightcrawler, you like start the level over again and then you're playing as like Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Like, and you also anytime during the level, or I think actually up to only up to like three times, you can like switch. So like if you're oh, playing yeah. and you're Cyclops and maybe you're really low health um, or maybe you're at a part of the game where you're like Nightcrawler's ability would help me here, you can switch between them. Okay. Um, so that was also a really cool aspect of the game that it wasn't like pick one character and that's just like you're only getting to experience them so you really like always basically no matter what like ended up playing as all of the four at some point that's fun um did you do you ever remember having uh, this was the question i had i had when doing research because i learned the same fact was that did you ever find a time where you had done your three swaps and you're like oh shoot I actually need to be like Nightcrawler to teleport through this wall and I'm not. So level over. I think not, not, not ever like level over, but definitely like, Oh, I should have saved Nightcrawler for like this. There's like one area where you're like in a space station where it's really helpful to be Nightcrawler because there's Mm. all this confusing. It's kind of like, it's not like a maze, but it's confusing in terms of like certain little doors lead to certain areas and certain ones lead to dead ends. And if you're Nightcrawler, you kind of can just like blow through the level and like teleport okay. through all the walls. And so I didn't really have the forethought to think like that. And I would sometimes mm-hmm. have it, but sometimes I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but that definitely did happen. And a lot of times it was just like, when you were on low health, you're like, I have to change to someone. I'm going to change this person. And you don't, because if you, if you're on low health, like after every like level, you start back in the danger room before the next level. And there's these like little flying orb things around. And if you like just punch them, it gives you more health. So like, it's kind of an opportunity for you to like get more health before you go back into the next level. So as long as your character, but if your character died, then they were like, they were done. You couldn't play them again. In, In your whole run of that. In your whole run of at least the, in my experience, the mm-hmm. game, which was only the amateur game, which I learned from doing <laughs> research, after level like five, you have a chance to like all any X Men that has died then like comes back. But I never got there, <laughs> so <laughs> so it didn't apply to your. Experience. Not apply to me. So not apply to my playing of the game. That is so funny. Um, since we're talking about the characters, uh, we've we've talked about the four. We'll go over them again. You've got. Wolverine, of course, Nightcrawler, Gambit, and Cyclops. Did you have a favorite character out of those? I feel like I kind of had this thought that was like, and this is so lame, but I was like, I was like okay, Wolverine and Gambit are like the bad boys of this, of this <laughs> uh, you know, these four. And I'm really not a bad boy. 
So like, I never like started <laughs> as them. I was always like, I'm going to be like, self-aware at a young age, Jeff. I was very self-aware. <laughs> I was always, I was also very, um, as a kid in this age in my life, I was very like kind of contrarian. Like mm. I often, I had like a phase where I wouldn't, I never rooted for like the hometown team because like everyone I knew rooted for them. So I was yeah. like, I obviously lived there. So I was like, I'm going to root for the other team or like, I'm going <laughs> to pick another team to root for. That's like not, the, I wanted to like be the only fan of a team. Yeah. And so it was kind of the same with, X-Men characters, I was like, everyone loves Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But like, Wolverine can't be my favorite character because he's everyone's favorite character. Um, and, but the thing is, all four of these characters are ex- extremely popular. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like I would play a lot as like Cyclops and Nightcrawler. But then, okay. I mean, because of the necessity of the game, you do, you do play as all four. And then, sure. you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be Wolverine and you're gonna be Gambit. And they all had, I mean, like, because they each have little, like, abilities too. Mm-hmm. So, like, Wolverine, you like put your claws out and then you do more damage when you're like punching people. Okay. He also, his health does like regenerate really slowly. So if you like, if you just like are chilling, your health will like little by little. That's a really cool like nod to the actual character. It is. And it actually is a thing that would like, you'd be like, yeah, duh, in a game like today, but for a game in like 1993, it's like pretty impressive to have like this character's health will regenerate slowly. Yes. But no one else is. It's like pretty cool. That's um, really special. Yeah. And then like Gambit had his little like charged up throwing cards. That was kind of like mm-hmm. a projectile thing. Cyclops shot his laser beams and then Nightcrawler teleported. And a lot of people, and I don't really totally remember, a lot of people were saying how Nightcrawler, I never like knew strategically to play this way, but like that Nightcrawler mm-hmm. was like way overpowered because if you teleported like through somebody, you just like killed them immediately. Oh. So. It was, was like a really easy way to just like kill a bunch of people. Interesting. Would that use up Nightcrawler's little power? It would. So you had to be okay. careful with it because you only get so much, so much power. Interesting. Hey, uh, no one man can have all that power. <laughs> you know, they say that. That's that do. is what they say. I think it's about this game. <laughs> yes, that's what Kanye West was referencing <laughs> in that yeah. song. Uh, it's a very. I mean. Like he said, it's it's no one man can have all that power. It's a very you can only play as men, which I think is a, you know it's kind of a bummer that all all these four these characters, especially because there are you know a lot of great female characters in the X Men universe. Totally, but, they're like relegated to the those like sort of assist style characters. Yes, in yeah. This game, um, yeah. Did so you kind of like using it's so you said you were contrarian at first you were kind of using the not the ones that everyone liked but you kind of used them all um, yeah you got around to using them or you know you realize like i really need wolverine's sure claws for this part like that like he'll, he'll do more damage and i need that so you did always like it was a good way for the game to make it so everyone basically did play a lot as all four characters cool that's nice i like i i've I recently just finished playing a big RPG. I don't know if you play any like turn-based or Final Fantasy games or anything like that, but sometimes you have like, you only use like three to four characters in battle at one time, but your roster might be like nine or 10 characters. And I always get like this sort of like, uh, what's the feeling? I feel like I'm missing out when I'm like not using every character. Or I'm like, I don't know which character I'm supposed to use. So I'm. it's nice to hear that like this game doesn't really have that problem. 
yeah. or they used them evenly too. Yeah, you do. Even if you're like, I don't want to use Wolverine, like you yeah. are going to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. What about the, since we're talking characters, do you remember like, was each like of those assist characters assigned to a specific level? No, it was like you could call them in when I think maybe only each one, like once a level though, but you could like call them in. Okay. You like push start and then you like selected them and they would just oh. like come in for a second and do something. So it was like storm would come in and it'd be a, there'd be like lightning and wind and stuff. And like, you know, you do damage to whatever, whoever's in the, on the screen. And then rogue was one rogue would come in and just like, fly in and like punch someone really hard. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Archangel was one of them. He would like fly through like three times and like shoot his little metal, like oh. wing tip things at people. And then Iceman, a lot of people give Iceman a hard time because all he did was make a little bridge for you to walk on. He couldn't like damage anybody. He'd just like make a little ice bridge, but that's really helpful. Like in this, totally. game, there's a lot of jumping in this game. And there's a lot of missing jumps in this yeah. game too. And um, so it was, he, it was, it could be, it could be super helpful if you like knew the right area to have a little ice hand bridge. Yeah. You know, not everyone's going to be like, like uh, whoever it is that's saving you from falling off the, Jean off Gray. the platform. Jean Grey. Jean Grey. You can't call in Jean Grey, but if, but if you fall off a platform, Jean Grey with her mind powers brings you back. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah. That's so awesome. I love that, you know, I mean, it would have been great if not only they had some of the female characters as playable, like maybe two and two or something, mm-hmm. or just more of a roster, but it's kind of still it does seem like a cool feature that they had, you yeah. know, used them in some way. It does. And it's cool too, especially for a game that's about a group like, the X-Men where there's like, there is such a, a roster that people know that you find a way to like bring in these other characters to like make yeah. them part of the game. So it's not like, you know, you're only playing as these four and you're like, why, where is the rest of the X-Men during this? Like yeah. why aren't they responding to this virus in the danger room? Yeah, but, good um, point. So it's cool that they're like, even though it doesn't really make sense that they just like come in and do one thing and leave, I guess, mm. you know, but it's still, it's nice to like have a team that the whole team is like incorporated into the game. For sure. I love that. Do you see um, Professor X ever? I don't, you see him in like an, like in, like there's like these images before the game starts where like, Hmm. it's like Magneto's face and then like text that you read. And then like, I think there's like Xavier's face and some text that you read. Hmm. I don't think you ever see him, at least in the amateur game. Maybe in the later levels. I don't think you ever see him. Um. Yeah, I don't think you ever see him. Interesting. But he's. It is like there's like a little like text box that's like Xavier says like you know what's going on. And the other thing is, even though like we we've, we've talked about this virus in the danger room, I think as a kid, I like didn't understand that that was the plot of the game. Oh, okay. Even though even though it was very clear in the opening <laughs> uh, text, yeah. that, like Magneto <laughs> has put like I just thought like you're in the danger room and then you like hop to like a little like exit and then you exit and then you're in a level. And I was just like, that's just how the mechanics of this game are. You like, sure. you're, you're always come. And also when you kill someone, they like, they like disappear mm-hmm. and in game logic. It's because they're not real. It's like part of the danger room. That's okay. like, 
malfunctioning or, or part of the virus is like all this stuff is like not is like not real but as a kid i was just like that's what video games do you kill a bad guy and they disappear like that's how it works oh interesting uh, so which, I, I think, yeah i didn't have like a total comprehension over this whole like when i was reading the, reading the game like when i was like doing my research i was like oh a virus in the danger room like okay <laughs> what that's funny. Uh, I th- this you know let's give kid Jeff a break. Stuff it's easy for stuff to go over your head as an adult, let alone a kid. So it you is. probably had a lot going on. There was there was school. There was homework. Oh, there was wow. Echo the Dolphin. I was always trying to get away from the sharks and Echo the Dolphin. The, the fact that you can remember anything in your childhood that's not just Echo the Dolphin is a testament. <laughs> so amazing. Exactly. Um. This has been so much fun. Uh, some more things I wanted to ask you was we sort of, we haven't really talked as much about like, and again, I know anytime I ask a guest this stuff, especially if it's a game from their childhood, like this is a, y- a young Jeff game. Yeah. Uh, do you remember anything about when you would actually sit down to play this game? Where, where was the Genesis at your house? Would you sit down and just play it for hours? Like, were you by yourself? Did your, were your siblings there? How'd that go? I think that, uh, so it was like, we had, it was like the living room. Um, oh no, the family, I always mix it up. I feel like I'm Sherlock Holmes trying to like know what happened in a crime. So this is like clue and you're like, okay, uh, what weapon? Uh, it was the family room and we had, it was like an entertainment center and the TV in the middle. And it was like on the left was the Sega Genesis. Nice. On the right was the N64. And I do think as like N64, I got it. And as it became a bigger thing, I like, I personally stopped. I played like less and less. Yeah. Like a Genesis. But I do feel like X-Men was a game that I kind of, one of the last like remnants of that. I would like, that'd be one that I like return to. You're hanging on to that one. I was hanging on to it. Um, it's a real I would, Woody and Buzz moment between your oh, consoles. Oh, it really is. Oh. If, if the X-Men game came alive and <laughs> I wasn't in the room, it would, it would be such a sad story. It'd be like, why doesn't he know there's another difficulty mode? There's more levels. It's right in front of him. Um, that's my that's my really half-assed Tom Hanks. <laughs> I liked it. I think Thank it was you. Really good. Um, there was I I do feel like I remember playing with either my sister or my brother. I do like remember like doing the two-player mode a little mm-hmm. bit, but I think it might have been my sister because my my brother is nine years older than me. My sister is six years, so like. Okay. Um, my sister wasn't as into video games, but still like definitely played like mario kart and stuff but it wasn't as into some of these other games but i think mm-hmm. i probably made her play it a little bit sure. with me um but i really do feel like i would play a lot the thing about also is that it's like if you do like lose all four of your characters all, there's no like saving in this game you know this is like mm-hmm. it, you have to kind of sit and play for a, a long period of time because if you you can't be like oh i'm gonna like i got this far I got to a checkpoint. I'm going to like save and I'll come to it tomorrow. You know, you were like, okay, if I turn this game off, then like everything I've done is, is over. Yeah. So I, and I do like, I think the thing I remember really vividly is one of the missions you were like on, a, you were at a space station and then you like got on a spaceship and then the spaceship flew to another space station and you were like outside the spaceship, but you never had any problem. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I, I, when I was doing research, I read this, someone justified it as because they were like, yeah, duh, because like the danger room is all fake. So it's not really space. 
So yeah. like, of course you can breathe. But again, as a kid, I never really like thought about it at all. Yeah. But you like flew, it was like flying and you were on the outside and bad guys kept coming out of these doors and you kept fighting them. And there were also little like asteroids. And I think I would die there a lot. I would die mm-hmm. on the spaceship a lot. Um, and that was like pretty, that was like kind of far into the amateur version of the game. So if I died on the spaceship, it was like a bummer. You're like, I went so I so hard to get to the spaceship and I am done. And so you would, that's, and then, you know, that's when I would like maybe quit, but. Sure. That, that it's so, I would have not been made or I wasn't made for games that were structured like that. I need checkpoints. I need to be like, I don't want to call it like babied, but I truly need like, just so the game to be like, you're doing good, buddy. Like you're still playing. Those are those types yeah. of games are brutal. Any game where you can save at any point is the best. Yeah. Breath of the Wild, and you can just like you can be wherever you want, and you can just save. And you're like, I'm gonna start the game. I'm gonna I'm gonna start right here. Totally. That's awesome. But so Especially yeah. Now that as we've you know become young professionals, we're adults. We're we're yes. very busy. You might not always have the time to sink, I don't know, three hours into a video game. Like that seems like a lot of time, uh, even as someone like myself who's unemployed right now, like yeah. the idea of sitting down for three or four hours just to play a video game is A, all I want to do, but B, yes. rare. So it's nice to have the ability to be able to pick something up and put it down at your leisure, I guess. Yeah. Another thing I do remember really vividly about playing it is the music was so good. Mm. It was, are you allowed to play music on this podcast or does it get you in trouble? No, we can, we can have like, uh, we could at least have something be like on the outro. Yeah. Thankfully we're not huge enough to where people are like, Hey, what are you doing there? So if I had a YouTube video clipped up right now and I play the audio, would you get in trouble? You would, it'd be fine. I think you can play it. I don't know if I would be able to hear it. Oh, okay. Then you, you know what? I won't, but I'll send this to you. Please send it to me. I'll send it to you and you can play it in uh, something. It was just like, I don't even know. I can't even describe it. It was just like so, especially like the intro music mm-hmm. was so like, it was kind of like, because the X-Men animated show also has an incredible intro. Yeah. Like the music is great. The intro is awesome. And so it was nice that the game did not lack in that territory it had totally. a really it was i got the same intro it was a different it was a different music but it just like was really good and really cool that's awesome it's it's so cool to hear that like despite how punishing and difficult this game is uh and just tough to progress through it seems like it was super faithful to its source material but also like the source material was great so it's not like it was faithful to something that's like that was just okay yeah, and even in like the look of it, like um, I feel like a lot of, especially comic book related games now, mm-hmm. kind of try to like modernize everything and be yeah. like, you know what, like you know, you play like a Batman game now, and it's like you know what Riddler looked like in the movies and in the show, but in this world, Riddler looks like this, and it's like yes. okay, but. This was cool because it was like every it was like the the art and the character design was just like exactly from like the comics and from the nineties show. Yeah. So it was just like there was no like we think it'd be cool if this character actually wore gray. It was like <laughs> no, they wear 
bright red and that's what they're going to wear in this in this game too yeah so uh just such a great service to fans of the cartoon and comics that's so cool Mm -hmm. i love that not that it's not and don't get me wrong i i can enjoy when uh like a spin-off or like a completely different take on a character or universe especially and we have a lot of that now but i think especially for the time this was the right choice for them yeah definitely oh so cool um so we've gotten to talk about a lot, Jeff. Was there anything about your, you know, your connection to X-Men on the Sega Genesis that you either didn't get to share or something that you wanted, like a thought you wanted to sort of wrap up before we do some fun segments to end this show? One quick thought, and this yeah. is a thing that, again, I didn't experience because I didn't finish the game. And I would love to find a way to play this game now and try to finish it. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever be able to do that, but I would like to do that. But when I was reading about it and watching videos, I don't know if you came across this too. There's a the level, like two levels after where my amateur game ended, there's a part of the game where, and this is what kind of contributes to making it so hard, hmm. apparently, where you have to push reset on your Sega Genesis. Yeah. And it doesn't directly even tell you to do it. Yeah. It says like, Professor X like face is on the screen. And it says like, you have to reset the danger room and there's like a timer mm-hmm. and it doesn't at all ever say push reset on your Sega Genesis. <laughs> and, and also apparently when reading about it, if you pressed it too hard, it would restart the game. Yeah. And it, you had to press it, press it lightly, which is what a crazy thing. Seriously though. What a, like, the fact that not only you had to do this thing that you had to just magically figure out or hear from someone, or I heard someone actually called into like a Sega hotline once and they told them this was like for tips <laughs> and tricks and they told them about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially without the internet. Uh, and then you have to like, just do it softly. Like, like it's, that's crazy. It is. It is. This is but interesting uh, too. Yeah. It's so interesting. So like games, like even you're like, Oh, we've come so far with video games, but like games now don't even like, use the, the the physical system to like to have be, be a be a part of the game truly there's the only other i'm so glad you brought this up i didn't so that at the end of the show we'll we'll move on and we'll do some not right now but in a second a couple there's a segment where i share like facts easter eggs development history um you actually already mentioned one which was uh the the difficulty level thing uh, yeah. I had prepared to bring up another one that I left off because I was like, oh, he's going to bring it up is exactly what you're sharing right now, this whole reset button thing. And uh, it's just it's just crazy. But the only other th- example I could think of out there of a game that does anything similar is on the PS1 Metal Gear Solid. There's a level where I think the character's name is like Psycho Mantis basically like takes over does some like crazy mind thing where the controller doesn't work anymore. And the only way to progress is to unplug it and plug it into control slot two. And then everything works again. But like, wow, it doesn't tell you that deliberately. I don't believe Um, you have to just figure out. Cause he's like, I've, I've taken over your controller. It's, and it's the only other game I can think of that like uses that like sort of, I don't even know what I'm trying to say that like uses the physical parts of the game of your system to do a crazy thing. Yeah. It's so, what a like, 
crazy idea. Yeah. And you, and especially with this to not have any explanation. Yeah. And like, really, like you said, like in the days of the internet, it would just be, everyone would just Google it and be like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And that's what I, this is a kind of a thing that I realized about my time gaming from, you know, my youth to now is like when I was, when I was playing um, Breath of the Wild, I would watch YouTube videos constantly. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, how do I beat this? Every, and it, it kind of was unfair. Every time I got to like one of the, like one of the like blight Ganons or whatever, I yeah. would just pull up a YouTube video. I wouldn't even try it first. So it was kind okay. of, but I, I would, I would pull up a YouTube video to like see what strat- what the strategy was. And then I would stop a YouTube video and sure. do it. I didn't, I didn't want to like watch the whole thing. I wanted to like, just, get a glimpse of what like I'm supposed to be doing. Like, okay, sure. I'll take it from here. That's but fair. There's so many things that I look up, like, where is this? How do I do this? And it's just funny thinking about day our days playing like N64 and uh-huh. the Sega games that there was never an option to do that. It was like, yeah. And so many people played this game and we're like, I, every time it gets to this reset thing, I just lose the whole game. and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I think especially how much we've talked about how difficult and punishing this game is on the amateur level, let alone whatever the hardest one is to, to finally, I'm sure everyone's first time getting there where they're like, I finally did it. I put in all this effort. And then to have that happen would be pretty devastating. I think I'd have to like stop playing for a few days. Oh yeah. You'd have to put it away, but that's just another fun thing about the game. But yeah, this is, it's just, it's very fun. My, my final wrap up thoughts are what a, I love, games that you like i said you can like take this thing you love outside of video gaming and be like i'm gonna live vicariously through this game and like play out these things that i always read or watch yeah or imagine and so and especially for so how early this was it was just very cool to like have this growing up and it just like made me i think without this game i i probably i would have still been like a comic book fan but probably not as much like i think Hmm. It contributed a lot to being able to actually play as these characters to like feel more invested in the world of the X-Men. That's so cool. That's awesome. And and hey, look at you now. You're a real writer guy. I know. I'm really, a writer. I know you're guy. writing worlds and stories and, and voice <laughs> and writing lines of dialogue for people like Andy Samberg. So pretty crazy. <laughs> It's very, it's, it's a wild, uh, wild journey, but, um, I was happy this game, uh, was part of it. Ugh, I love it. Well, I think you just wrapped it up so great. That's wonderful, Jeff. Uh, we've got a couple more segments to do, but thank you so much for sharing that. That was really fun. And thank you for letting me just ask you a bunch of questions. Um, but first the segment that we'll lead off with in the post game part of the show is the fact me by your game segment. Now this is where, as I hinted at earlier, I share uh, facts from the game with my guest. Uh, This could be anything from an Easter egg to a secret, a cheat code or a development history. This, there's some games that like I have a difficult time finding much of anything for. This is one of them. Uh, I'm so glad that you brought up the Magneto, sorry, the reset button thing. That's a great one. You covered that for me. I feel better. You also brought up the difficulty level. I think it was like, like you said, stage three or four, where exactly amateurs can never defeat me. Try being a hero. Ooh, it's just gotta hurt. But you can um, see how that sounds like dying words, right? Yes, it does. If totally. You it a certain way, you can be like, that's what he would say if I defeated him. 
yes, I think the way you said it specifically spoke to me. It kind of reminded me too, Jeff, of a very specific thing that happened to me when I first saw the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. I I had no idea that this was part of a book trilogy. I didn't know there was more story to come. I thought the end of the Fellowship. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. I thought that was the end of the Lord of the Rings. I was like, oh yeah, they beat that big evil guy and they're done. And but I didn't think like, hmm, but they still got the ring. And what's up with this eye? Uh, so anyway, uh, I related. Totally, to- yeah, one big thing that's very similar. Yeah. We, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, ended season, I want to say, season five on a cliffhanger that was like, it was like Jake and Rosa got uh, framed for a crime they didn't commit and were sent to prison. And the, mm-hmm. end, of the, the end of the season was like like convicted guilty like they thought they had this big thing that would save them and it didn't come didn't come through and then the oh. first episodes of the next season are them like in prison and then they get like the convictions overturned or whatever but we like didn't know we had not been told we were renewed for another season and oh. we were like we're like we're gonna do this and <laughs> always talked about how funny it would be if the show really just ended <laughs> If that was the end of the show, if they were just like, we're going to cancel you and the show always ended with Jake and Rosa going to prison for who knows how long. But luckily we did get another season and we were able to resolve it. But That's hilarious. Was was that, did that happen to be the time where there was like a switch in networks too? I think that was, that was the following season. Okay, gotcha. So that season we did actually have like a finale that could have worked. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was like Jake and Amy got married and, but we did have a, we did have a small cliffhanger that was like hold finding out whether or not he got the commissioner job and we left it um, ambiguous. Man, I feel but, like um, so many shows from that era and a little before like community, I remember had several like, this is it episodes only to like yeah. get a miracle and come back. So sorry to interrupt you. No. Yeah. It was just, it was very, uh, but it was like, we, that was a season where we found out very like late, like we finished, my in my time on the show, we found out like one year we found out before like mid- midway through the season, and then another year we found out like a couple weeks before the end of the season. And that season, we finished in March, and we didn't find out until May. So it was like we were all like we wrote this finale, we filmed this finale. <laughs> Maybe we'll figure something out if we have to, but like that's what that's how it wow. could end. But it didn't. Dang. Ugh. Wow. Um. The only way, the only thing I have to say to that is I'll move on to the next fact, which is uh, the only, and it's the only other one I have, but it's kind of a big one. This is my first, the first like cheat code I'm going to share as far as part of the factory by your game. So this is, I'm titling this one Gambit gets a pass. And this is from IGN game cheats and codes. Uh, So I'll just run through. It's kind of a lot of text, but using Gambit, you can actually bypass the first three levels. So when you're inside the danger room, you go to the control room, which is in the upper left-hand corner, and as you begin to disappear, you hold A. The level will start, but you will immediately return to the danger room. So after the first level, you start in, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, Zaladane's Fortress, but you can repeat the trick and skip to the Shire world and skip again to Excalibur's Lighthouse. So I guess you're going back to this area where you go back to the control room, 
But then if you hold A, it'll, when you go to select your next level after the uh, danger room or whatever, you start the next level. Oh, whoa. So, wacky thing. So, and I guess, but before you proceed to level four, you can replenish Gambit's power and choose your favorite X-Men superhero to be after that. Um, which, so you can start level four basically with the X-Men at full strength. And I wonder why it has to be Gambit. That what, like, what, like what part of the, that's so interesting. That's a good that question. Would, I should have looked that up. That would have done, because the lighthouse or whatever, what was it? Excalibur. It's a, something. Yeah, Excalibur's lighthouse. That's like the last, I think that's the last level of the amateur. Okay. So that's like, for me, the final, the final stage in the game. But huh. it'd be very oh, interesting to skip there. Yeah, it's, it, I know there's like things like that in old games, like in the Super Mario Brothers 3, which is different. The you can collect the warp whistle. So if you've played these games a million times, you can like skip to the later levels so that you because they don't have a save feature. So this is different, but sort of seems like a way to do that too. Yeah. Um that's the end of the factory by your game segment. We've got a much shorter one coming up, and this is the game recommendation segment. So this is the one part of the show, Jeff, where I force a tie-in to the movie that this show is named after Call Me By Your Name. So I'm going to treat this as if X-Men is, you know, your beautiful summer romance. Uh, It's unlike anything you've ever had, but you're going to move on and you're going to have other relationships. And I was thinking when I started this segment, like, you know, when, if you've ever had friends or maybe you yourself has dated someone, ended a relationship, I always find it interesting who they date next. Like, is it someone eerily similar to your previous, uh, like, person you dated are they out of left field do you not see it coming so that's what these are sort of based on okay so first recommendation if you would like another genesis era mascot platformer i will recommend to you which this can be played on the sega genesis uh mini um mickey mouse and the castle of illusion which so it's just another, if that's the thing you loved, if you're like, yep, mascot, platformer, Genesis, then this is the game for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, if you would rather have a modern take on this, so this game is obviously a platformer, but uh, a different sort of style platformer, which is a genre they're calling a Metroidvania. Uh, this is so a modern take on this style would be a game called Hollow Knight, which is available on ps4 and switch so you could check this out really highly regarded game uh super deep really cool beautiful art style too so that's another option for you and then the last one is that since this game takes place in the danger room and while the x-men are fighting these like illusions or the this virus or whatever you want to call it uh the stuff technically like we talked about the spaceship isn't really happening. So if you want another game where the stuff technically isn't actually happening, uh, I'll recommend to you the legend of Zelda links awakening remake, which is on the Nintendo switch actually. Well, there you go. Not to spoil. I mean, I basically just spoiled the game to you. I won't tell you (laughs) why it's not really happening, but uh, especially if you're a fan of like the older Zelda's like Ocarina of time, like, Mm -hmm. It's a nice palate cleanser from Breath of the Wild because it's not like a big open world game, but it came out last year and was phenomenal. So highly recommend that one too. 
Oh, very cool. I did. I, I wonder if I, if I subconsciously know, because when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I did a real, I did a real like, deep dive into figuring out like what the timeline of all of the Zelda games oh, are. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, I never, it's another one of those things that I never thought to think about. I was like, is this the same person? Why does this keep, why does this kind of thing keep happening? And, yeah. the, and then I like looked at, and I read a whole thing. And I was like breaking down the timelines and when things, I was like, Oh, Whoa. This yeah. is there's people. This has been thought out. Totally, it's it. While it's something they absolutely did retroactively, they <laughs> because of like fan speculation, they did a really good job of putting that together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, check out Link's Awakening if you ever get the chance. Um, that brings us to the end of the game recommendation segment. And Jeff, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, so before we do plugs I, for the listener at home, Jeff is has his head in his hand. He's looks very sad. Like he didn't want it to end, you know, you know, as much as I don't want it to end too, you know, we've got to get off the ride at some point and live our lives. So Jeff, before we go and please plug any and everything you want. um, Thank you so much for doing this. This was so much fun. This show can be, you know, sometimes I get to have people on the show that I'm already really good friends with that. I know really well. And that's just, you know, it's just a, you know what you're going to get. It's a nice hang, but as someone who's more of a like friend acquaintance is probably a good way to put us and, and hope that doesn't offend you. Uh, awesome. This, this was really fun. And it's fun just to chat with you about not this, just this game, but your history with games in general and hear a little bit about you. So thanks so much, buddy. Thanks for having me. I really uh, enjoyed my time on here. And again, I feel the same way. I feel like we've been uh, good acquaintances over the time. So it's nice to like have uh, just sat here and chatted for an hour and a half or whatever. Thank you. Uh, it, it, I felt better about it. Once I heard you say good acquaintances, I was like, okay, that's not as, that's not as bad as I thought it was originally. So thank you. Um, well, so where Jeff, can we find you? What do you want to plug, uh, list any and everything you want? All right. Well, I guess I don't have a ton of things, I guess. I mean, if you want, I'm on, look, I'm on Twitter. Hell on yeah. Instagram and my <laughs> handles are just my name. It's a unique name, Jeff Topolsky. So not a lot of people have it. So um, easy to find. Um, any plugs, I guess. I mean, if, you know, we can ever film t- TV again in this world, yeah. then Brooklyn Nine-Nine will come out. Season eight of Brooklyn Nine-Nine will come out sometime in 2021. Dang, and um, you can watch that. Um but uh, that's kind of it, I guess. My uh, I have a birthday coming up uh, September September eighteenth. So I don't know if this will if this will happen in a way where it's already. I don't know if you know it won't. Uh, the nice thing about quarantine is I've I've built up like a a nice backlog of episodes. So unfortunately, this probably won't come out until October. However, people can belatedly wish you happy birthday. And two. Did you see that, I mean, maybe this isn't for you, but something special is happening next Friday on September 18th, and Nintendo's releasing the Super Mario 3D collection oh. on the Switch, which is uh, Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy uh, all on the same little cartridge for the Switch. Whoa. I, you yeah. know, I'm a big Super Mario 64. It was Dude. a big part of my life. The other two, only Mario Sunshine only played a little briefly like at a friend's house. So it would be, yeah. it'd be very, it'd be fun to, uh, I'm glad that's coming out. That's good. Yeah. 
you know? Uh, so that's my gift to you for your that's birthday. That's all I needed. I, no, no one else needs to, no one needs to <laughs> belatedly wish me a happy birthday. I don't know what I was <laughs> there. I don't know what I wanted anyone to do, but this is, that's what I wanted. I wanted a good recommendation for something to do on my birthday and now I have it. So. Well, there you are. Um, so you can get it digitally, obviously on your switch or at Best Buy, they'll be selling it. Um, so thank you again, Jeff. I'll go ahead and close this out with some plugs. Of course, as we said at the top of the show, the show is a part of the Super NPC Patreon radio network. Uh, I said that all out of order, but again, we do a lot of great content like this. I highly recommend you check it out. Their lowest tiers at five bucks and you get a ton of stuff there. Not only Super NPC hosted by me and Jeremy Schmidt, but some other stuff as well. Um, and again, check out the previews of those things to even see if you like it. You know, you can try before you buy with Super NPC Radio. Um, second is our artwork is by Glenn J. Check them out on at J on Instagram. The show is produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. You can listen to his show, Video Games, a comedy show, anywhere you get your podcasts. And then I'm on uh, the social medias at Connor underscore McCabe. You can follow, follow me on Twitch. If you'd like, I've been streaming so much less lately, but I want to get back into it at twitch.tv slash cons is cool. 69. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you on the next one. 